0: Hello, and welcome to Scare You to Sleep. First and foremost, thank you so much for taking the time to rate the show on Apple Podcasts, and thank you for all the wonderful emails I've been receiving. I wanted to address the low audio in the first few episodes. I thought I wanted it really low so all of you beautiful lovelies could fall asleep easily, but now I'm hearing that you like to listen during the day as well. Starting with the next episode, I will work on making the episodes louder and easier to hear in your car and over your dishes. I'm a one-woman show here in the Scare Den and all self-taught. I've been overwhelmed by the love and support the podcast has been getting and I'm really happy you've all been so constructive and helpful with your criticism. And thank you so much to the LP community for being my biggest cheerleaders. Now onto the show this will be the first week that i will be reading one of your stories i get asked this question a lot and yes all of the previous stories with the exception of the poem dead man's hate have all been my own i've exhausted my own little catalog for the moment but that just means i get to share with you some other great horror authors who have sent in their work I've received quite a bit, so getting to choose out of so many has been a treat. For our debut viewer submission episode, we have a story that gave my spine a tingle in a crowded and well-lit room. It comes from listener Cameron Gorman, and it's called Static. I've never told anyone this story because... I didn't think they'd believe me. I wouldn't believe me either, normally. I'd probably toss it aside, forget about it, type up some stupid comment on the internet calling in the story a bunch of BS. But it happened. And you don't have to believe me. I just need to tell someone and for them to listen. It's hard holding something like this in for so long. and. I have the feeling I might not have much time left to tell it. So here it goes. In the summer of 1990, I decided to clean out the attic of my childhood home. I felt I had to do it for my dad. He'd finally passed away from lung cancer. All that smoking he did really did a number on him, I guess. Mom had died years earlier and my dad had been all alone for a while. No one to talk to, I tried visiting him but you know how it gets, it's hard sometimes. Life moves so fast and people are so busy and I guess I just stopped going as often. When I got the news that he'd passed away, from his neighbor no less, I did feel a little guilty. The least I could do for my old man was to clean up his place. So I drove, all the way from three towns over, to do it myself. That summer was a hot one. The trees were all dropping their leaves early, thirsty from the dry air. I remember driving along the road to that house, the dirt kicking up behind my beat-up old Chevy. The radio turned down low to some stupid soft rock station. I wasn't really listening. I was just staring at the road. I had gotten a late start that day later than I had wanted to, due to drinking the night before. I hadn't packed up the car and gotten on the road until nearly 3.45 in the afternoon, and now the light was beginning to glow a soft orange, the shadows pulling longer around me. I felt myself grip the steering wheel tighter, turn up the music a little more to drown out my thoughts. I couldn't explain why, exactly, but there was a slight feeling of dread at the back of my throat as if I was driving into something I didn't want to I felt the darkness behind me and drove a little faster laughing at myself what did I have to be scared of I knew this place like the back of my hand as well as the woods whipping past either side of the car's windows in the evening light there was nothing to be afraid of but I couldn't quite convince myself of that not really As I drove further and further away from my home, and closer and closer to my dad's, it got harder to ignore the buzzing at the base of my skull. Like the kind of feeling you get as a little kid about to walk into a haunted house on the boardwalk. Something inside you whispering, don't do it, there's something bad in there. I knew it wasn't the house itself, it was the memory of my dad. He'd always been so, so distant during my childhood. He'd hole himself up in his room almost as soon as I'd get back from school, preferring to watch the big game on the weekends over going out with me or my mom. She'd always shook her head when I asked her about it, simply said something to the effect of, You know your dad, he's quiet. Never felt like that to me, felt more like he was hiding from me. By the time I pulled up to the house, as I had suspected, the afternoon was in full swing. Neighbors' cars were pulling into driveways back from the day's work and commute, and I was left to stand in my old backyard, staring up at the house I used to come home to every day after school. I forced myself to pull a long smile looking at it. After all, I did know this place, I told myself, and still, there was that slight buzzing. I got out of the car, switched off the radio, and stretched. Long drive, I thought. It would have been nice to be able to rest, but... I wanted to just get this project on the road already. The last thing I wanted was to have to spend the night here. It just... didn't feel right. Glancing back at the woods that bordered the house, I noted the length of the shadows and the tilt of the sun just beginning to dip a little bit in the sky. Since it was summer, I knew I'd have at least a few hours to move stuff out to the curb or into my car to take with me before it dipped below the horizon and into the night. But I had to get moving. I locked my car, slipped my keys into my pocket, and ambled up toward the back of the house. I unlocked the door as I pulled a note stuck to the chip paint off, scanning it quickly. It was from the guy managing my dad's estate as I had suspected, with a few notes that I didn't really read as I swung the door open and stepped into the musty air of the back hall. It was all typical stuff, telling me where to find things, things I should know about, locking the place up when I left, and a few more notes about the house and timelines. I tossed it on the kitchen counter, walking into the house and breathing in the familiar air. It was strange to be back. Glancing around the kitchen, I could see visions of a younger me sitting at the counter, eating cereal at the table, grumbling over math homework while my dad tried to help me. Every inch of this house held a memory. I ran my hand along the counter, glancing around at the dust covering most of the furniture. Dad must not have been able to clean as well in the later years, I thought. A sudden pang of guilt bit back at my insides. But I flushed it from my mind. There was no point in crying over something I couldn't change, I reminded myself. I was here to do a job. I hoisted my backpack over my shoulders and started up the stairs toward the second floor. Each step creaked the same way I remembered them to, in the same places. The wall held the same splattered coffee stain from when I had tripped running back into the kitchen during a late night high school SAT study session. I smiled a little, chuckling to myself. Those really weren't helpful. <laughs> Reaching the top of the stairs, I glanced down the hallway to my old bedroom, deciding that the little trip down memory lane could wait until another day. This was more important. I turned toward the master bedroom, padding down the hall on the old beige carpet. This was fine, I thought. I could do this. It wasn't so bad after all. Then... I reached the door, and my hand hesitated on the brass doorknob. That buzzing sensation at the base of my skull was back. If I opened this door, I remember thinking, maybe Dad would be there. Maybe in the fading light of the bedroom, he would look just as I remembered him from the last time I'd visited, propped up in bed. The remains of a cigarette crushed out in the ashtray balanced on his feeble chest, staring at me as if I could save him somehow. A bead of sweat ran down the back of my neck. No, this was silly. There was nothing more to be afraid of. He was gone. I turned the knob and stepped into the room. Immediately, the smell of tar hit me like a subway train. It reeked of smoke in that room. The walls were stained with yellowing blossoms of nicotine, distorting the flowers that used to pattern the wallpaper. I wrinkled my nose. I had been used to this, but so much time away had made me forget how potent it could be. Pinching the bridge of my nose, I avoided looking at the bed, at the spot that Dad used to take up, in the middle of the still-rumpled sheets. I turned instead toward the closet, where I knew the ladder to the attic could be pulled down. When I was a kid, I used to ask my dad why he wasn't afraid of having that ladder in his room. Wasn't he afraid something could use it to hide, to come down in the middle of the night and wrap its tendrils or claws around his neck, its mouth oozing with some kind of slime? My dad always laughed his hearty, smoke-choked laugh and ruffled my hair. There's nothing in that closet, he'd always told me. And I knew it was true even then, but I still glanced behind me when I opened the door. You know that feeling, that feeling like someone's eyes are on your back, even when you're turned around? That was the feeling I got, all of a sudden, standing in that room. I whipped my head back toward the open bedroom door and the darkening hallway behind it. <sighs> a grown woman, scared by a memory. I suddenly felt like a kid who has to run up the basement steps after switching off all the lights. My heart fluttered, but I steeled myself. Come on, man, this is childish. You're here to do a job and nothing else. The house is empty. Moving faster, I swung open the closet door, revealing Dad's smoky plaid shirts and Bass Pro tops. I yanked at a rope attached to the ceiling, and it creaked open, yawning to reveal its chipped ladder. Clanking open and nearly hitting me in the head, I jumped back. The dust moat filled quiet of the house was suddenly cracked by the sound of the ladder, creaking as it swayed in the still air. I breathed in, deep, and glanced behind me, to the still-open bedroom door. The hallway was still dark and silent, nothing at all to be worried about. So I put my foot on the bottom rung and pulled myself up. The inside of the attic was pitch dark. My eyes swam to adjust to the light, and I tugged on a string attached to a bare wooden ceiling to readjust myself. It was pretty much what I expected. Plain mounds of cardboard boxes stacked halfway up the pink insulated walls. Boring. No vampires or monsters or spirits to be found. I mentally slapped myself for being so scared of it in the first place. Glancing around, I wondered what to get to first. I could see boxes clearly left over from the original move into the house, labeled with the names of different rooms. Probably full of old dishes and silverware, nothing I wanted to get into, though I silently wondered if it might be good for an estate sale. Instead, my eyes and attention latched onto one box, sitting by itself at the far end of the attic, silently waiting for someone to open it. It was the same size and shape as all the other unremarkable ones around it, but there was no markered label. It was blank. I slowly walked over, minding the winds of the floorboards as I did so, and bent down to check it out. Under the harsh light of the bare bulb above us, the coat of dust covering it seemed extra thick. I doubted anyone had been up here in years, not even Dad. Dad. It had become so hard for him to get around in the last few years of his life anyway. I cracked open the thing, peeling away the yellowed packing tape and pulling out the mouse-bitten tissue paper. I don't know what I was expecting, but it wasn't what I got. An old CB radio, sitting in a box. I shook my head, a slight smile creeping onto my face. Just like Dad to save something useless like this. I started to stand up from my squatting position, feeling my knees crack as I did so, turning my attention elsewhere in the attic. As I stepped away from the box, though, I suddenly heard a slight crackle. The buzzing came back. The hair on the back of my neck stood up. As much as I tried to ignore it, the radio, still lying in its tissue-papered grave, was coming to life. Slowly, I turned back to face the box. The radio was fully on now, humming a static sound, the occasional pop fading in and out of the white noise. I felt my mind start to race. The batteries would have to be long dead by now, I thought. The sweat that had previously dried beginning to make my neck damp again. The muggy air in the attic suddenly felt so much heavier, scented with the unbearable weight of the tobacco smoke. I stood there for what felt like hours, listening to the radio static, waiting for something to happen. The tension in the attic was unbearable. I was hyper aware of the box, of the ladder, of the growing darkness down in the house. I was frozen, and the radio crackled again was something coming through, though. Something barely audible over the sound of the static. Something that I wasn't even sure if I was hearing it was so quiet, so soft, so much like the sound of the radio itself. But I know I heard it. I know it. It was a voice. Something small and quiet sounding. Something that barely crackled forth it was saying something i could barely make out i couldn't move where did he put us oh god oh god that voice like a human voice but filtered through years of not talking like something waking up from a 10 year sleep trying out its speech again it kept whispering kept whispering and i was rooted to the spot unable to move the voice there? was growing louder. Down the ladder, I could see that the house Where was to arc. I made a lunge toward the radio, ripped it from the box, and ripped the batteries from the damn thing. Silence. Blessed silence. And then, down in the house, I heard the familiar creak of the staircase. The familiar sound of someone coming up the stairs. At first, it was slow, like they were resting on each step. Then, faster, 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 the sound of someone pounding up the stairs, the sound of someone running down the hallway. Then, suddenly, the footsteps stopped, right outside my father's bedroom door. My heart stopped. The same voice from the radio was now drifting to me from outside the bedroom door, in the dark hallway. From the attic, I could barely see the entrance to the room, only a black rectangle from the darkness of the rest of the house. Then, on the door frame, a finger curled around the white molding, just one finger moving up and down, as if feeling to see if anyone else was in the room. Then another, shaded by the darkness of the bedroom. Another, until one whole hand was sticking out from the darkness of the hallway, flexing in the light that spilled from the attic. I had stopped sweating now. My blood ran cold And the voice started again, had one last thing to say, you know where he put us. And suddenly, there was the loud clap of the attic ladder rolling up, shutting with a bang, obscuring my view of the hallway. I couldn't help it. I finally screamed, When I got out of that damn house, when I finally managed to gather the courage to open the attic and run from the bedroom back to my car to start it and drive away without even bothering to lock the back door, I cried. On the way back to my town, I cried harder than I've ever cried before or since. And that's why I'm telling you this story. Because I do know where they are. I know where my father buried them. All those boys from neighboring towns who would run away from home, or so the police assured us. All those friends I had who I never saw again, they're under the house. Under the concrete, under where I used to drink to try to pretend I didn't know what my old man was. They know that I know, and you don't have to believe me, but I needed to tell someone, to confess, to do the right thing for one time in my pathetic life. You don't have to believe me, but I know what he did. I know what I should have done, but didn't. And I'm going back there tomorrow to tell them the truth. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed our first listener story. I know I did. Thanks again, Cameron, for the submission. I've set up a Patreon for the podcast. If you'd like to help me out, please visit at patreon.com slash scare you to sleep. You can get anything from a shout-out on the podcast to a spooky letter handwritten by me. I'm still looking for some of your real scary stories. If you've ever encountered anything so unusual, it still haunts you from time to time. Send it to to scareyoutosleep at gmail.com. Music and sound effects can be found in the show notes. Now, go get some sleep. Sweet dreams.